All right. Welcome to Oh Malort, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined by Molly McAleer of Trend Lightly and Mother May I Sleep With podcast. Miles, how are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be back. I love our story times. Like I can't wait. I can't wait to find out what we're talking about today. We're going to have some fun. But first, what are your Christmas plans? So I have I usually have pretty dark Christmas plans, actually. I usually stay at home and I watch 9-11 footage. I know this about you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just once I stopped going home for Christmas, once I was honest with myself about how unpleasant it is to travel for the holidays, I started to just hang out in L.A. And I've gone to other people's houses, but the reality of Christmas is that if you go spend it with someone else's family, you're just in someone else's chaos. It's depressing. It is depressing. <laughs> you're used to your family's chaos, right? But mm -hmm. then when you go to someone else's house, you're like, oh, what's this? What's going on here? Oh, they're fighting about this. And I just don't, I don't really want to be a part of it. I typically just hang out by myself. And for some reason, well, probably because it was a very traumatic event in my young adult life. I just I'm always brought back to 9-11 for some reason. And I find it to be the one day off where no one's going to ask me what I'm doing. And I, yeah, the truth is, I'll tell you now, that is usually what I'm doing. Is oh. just finding rare footage, documentaries, none of the conspiratorial stuff. But yeah. Just I just enjoy my day and unpack my trauma. <laughs> you do you. Enjoy your holiday. This episode is going to come out right before Christmas. So, Miles, I got to yeah. ask you, do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Yes, it's his Rudolph, I believe. Yes, we are talking about Rudolph, <laughs> which I planned on talking about when I reached out to you. So when you me in that Twitter post last week, it took everything in me not to spoil this. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I know. What a crazy coincidence. Turns out the OG sound engineer slash producer for Mother Maisie Book Podcast, Stephen Ray Morris, who I only lost him when he became super busy with a podcast called My Favorite Murder and became like a full-time employee, essentially. He was talking about Malort and wondering if that's how Rudolph got his red nose. I know. I told my mom about that meme and she just laughed about that post. But Yeah. I'm here's my question about Malort. I thought it was like a hybrid beer. Oh no. It's a liquor. Malort is a generic term for the type of liquor it is. Got it. Okay. It's a wormwood liquor. And some people like it. Steven expressed enjoyment. Yeah. It's also just now at this point in time, a thing. I can't explain it. There's it's a, back. It, well, it's never, it, it became a thing in the early 2010s, like around 2015, 2016-ish. and. It's existed forever. Okay, I'll point this out. 
The guy who brought it over from Europe during Prohibition, he would sell it door to door as a medicinal because it is a medicinal. Yeah. And if the cops gave him trouble, he gave them a free shot and then they would not hassle him because no one would willingly drink it. <laughs> yeah they're like yeah. they must he must be doing a service because these people have to be pretty sick to be drinking this stuff yeah and there's a whole thing in like food and beverage that i read about how it's something uniquely chicago that this is horrible and this defines us at the same time <laughs> like... yeah i know that when we were coming up with the name for the show and like trying to figure out what was Chicago without being too on the nose. This one's not, not that's no pun intended there with Rudolph, but. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I remember you explaining it, but for some reason I just can't picture it in my mind. Does it have, what's the flavor profile? It's supposed to be grapefruit. Or... Okay. So this is how I describe it. Your stomach bile when you have the dry heaves. Yeah. Mix that with some bug spray. Oh, God. Does it just get you really <laughs> fucked up? And it's one of those things that maybe a college student would drink to get a lot of bang for their buck? No, it's not even high in alcohol, really. Oh. That makes me feel like I should reach out to Steven because the review was favorable. <laughs> I brought it home for a family reunion a couple weeks ago. And... I'll just tell you. So my dad's reaction to it, my mom literally thought someone had passed gas really bad in the that corner of the room. <laughs> but I have two of my cousin's kids both really liked it. Everyone else hated it. Yeah. And then, the yeah. Next, yeah, it's like one of those, like some people like it. It's better if you've had a couple of, it's, there's two things. It's better if you've had a couple of drinks already. And if you know, what you're getting if you know what you're getting into it's not as shocking as it is the first time yeah i that's interesting that's interesting i i can imagine all things grow on you right eventually for the most mm -hmm. part is it a does it provide like a brutal hangover I don't know because I've only ever now had three shots of Malort in my entire life. Maybe you should challenge yourself to a fourth. Oh, oh. you don't, you can't do it. I probably will. Never say never. It's... I feel like if you have a crazy numbers episode, if you get 5,000 downloads in the first day, I feel like it's your duty to take a shot of Malort. Okay, if I get 5,000 downloads in the first day, I will walk to the liquor store. My Dutch cheap ass will spend the 30 <laughs> bucks on a bottle of Malort, and I will do at least one shot. Okay, perfect. We'll push for that. Hopefully okay. this is the one. Hopefully. Now, can I tell you a Rudolph fact? I also tweeted about this week. I was surprised to find out that Rudolph's father is allegedly Blitzen. I, that's my next note. I saw your tweet. There was so much that I just had to sit on my hands and be like, we'll talk about this. Okay. There's two different cartoons of Rudolph, which confused me, and I didn't really get into that too much. But it could be Blitzen, but in the cartoon that most people know, it is Donner. 
So either way, his father was ragging on him, which is so fucked because Rudolph did not. Now, nowadays, if what happened to Rudolph happened to to a child, the police, there would be police intervention. Oh, we'll get there. Making fun of what I suppose is this disabled reindeer based off the way that they, yeah. <laughs> based off the way he was treated for his affliction of a shiny nose. I, I wanna hear I wanna hear it from you. All right. So the creator of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is a guy named Robert L. May, and he was born in New Rochelle, New York in nineteen oh five. Okay. As a child, he was the odd man out, about which he later expanded, just saying, Rudolph and I were something alike. Now, his daughter, Barbara, describes him as, my dad had been berunt. He was ahead of his age in school, and he wasn't athletic. He was teased. He knew what it was like to be the underdog. Okay, that makes sense. He skipped ahead two years in school. So he was a real smarty. He was a real smarty. He went to Dartmouth. Okay. Where other notable alumni are Dr. Seuss, Fred Rogers, and the profoundly unpopular former Illinois governor who didn't go to jail, Bruce Rauner. Okay. <laughs> Quite the pack there. Oh, that's interesting. That two prolific children's entertainers went there. Yeah, like two prolific children's entertainers. Dr. Seuss was a, a couple years behind him in, at Dartmouth. Is Dr. Seuss a good guy? I've chosen for years to keep blinders on about that. Yeah, me too. I don't think I, I don't think I know anything good or bad about him, and I've chosen to keep it that way myself. I apologize for even bringing up the subject. Yeah, there were. When Seussical the Musical came out, there was a, there were edits, and I had some people who I knew who were involved in it, and I've just chosen to keep the blinders. It's awful, though. It always comes up that someone who created a beloved piece of children's entertainment was secretly some sort of monster. So let's, yeah, let's move on from Dr. Seuss. All right. So May got a job as a copy editor first at Macy's in New York and then at Gimbel's. Okay. He followed his boss to Chicago for a job at Montgomery Ward. Do you know what a Montgomery Ward was? Is it a suit store? No. No? Okay, no, I don't then. I mean, they might have sold. So it was like a Sears. I mean, his biggest competitor was Sears. What okay. Montgomery Ward is best known for is inventing the mail order catalog. Oh, all right. And yeah. And then Sears had the mail order catalog. At the time of our story, there were 600 plus stores nationwide. And the biggest modern equivalent I can think of on a nation level would be Target versus Walmart. Okay. All right. So it was like, yeah, one of the big, is it like a Woolworths even? Yes. Yes. I put Sears, Wards, and Woolworth all in the same basket. Okay. Got it. So it wasn't a top tier. So it wasn't a Marshall Fields or a Macy's. Did they sell wild animals there? I don't think so. Like Sears and Woolworths used to sell chimps and stuff, right? 
I have never heard that. Yeah, they used to sell exotic animals. You could just go in there and get a, a monkey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, not to blow your mind. <laughs> that does blow my mind. I will look, I'll be looking into, that's how I'll spend my Christmas. Yeah, I because I, I remember hearing stories about kids that felt very slighted by their parents for not getting the them a chimp at Woolworths. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. I don't remember who exactly that was, but there was some, maybe a movie star or something. I hope they worked it out in therapy. I know, me too. <laughs> Montgomery Ward went into bankruptcy and... I was looking into their bankruptcy, and I found that they still have a website. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to include it in the, the show links because I thought it was obsolete. But they have a corporate headquarters in either Wisconsin or Indiana, which is the state that's the two states that aren't Illinois. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, like I looked up to it. I'm like, wow, there's a Montgomery Ward website. And I'd probably go to Amazon before I'd go to the Montgomery Ward website. Good for them. Yeah, it's interesting that it's still functional. Yeah. I don't know. I think the only person who ever that I ever knew who shopped at Montgomery Ward was my dad's stepmother, my grandma Jean. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's why they went bankrupt. Grandma right. Jean can't keep can't carry Montgomery Ward on her back. Yes, and I I I don't think she's still with us, but she's just I've figured as much. <laughs> Given that my dad is over 75. There is a myth around Rudolph that I didn't really know about until I came across the book, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, an American Hero by Ronald D. Langford. Okay. In this version, May wrote the story for his four-year-old daughter because he couldn't afford a Christmas gift. Oh. Yeah, that's not true. The actual story is <laughs> oh. has less cheer and more capitalism than that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Montgomery Ward gave away coloring books around Christmas. So they would buy coloring books and they'd give them away, but then they figured it would be cheaper to create and print in-house. So in 1938, they task May with the additional labor of creating a children's book. Okay. And May would later say, and how are you starting the new year? I glumly asked myself. Here I was, heavily in debt at nearly 35, still grinding out catalog copy instead of writing the great American novel, as I'd once hoped. I was describing men's shirts. Yeah, it's crazy because if you were 35 and you hadn't hit your life goals back then, especially, it was over for you. Like there, it used to be such a, I always say it's so crazy to me that living in a van down by the river, Chris Farley character, he was only 32 years old. And, but like one of the reasons. <laughs> One of the reasons, like, that was on the short list of reasons why we were supposed to believe you was this incredibly pathetic individual, just who had failed in every direction in life. And it, it there is some truth to it that I just remember being a little kid thinking 30 sounded old to me as I was a little kid, but 
I remember the notion or the maybe even what could be considered the meme that if you were 30 years old and you hadn't figured your life out, you never were going to get around to it. Oh, I remember that totally. I remember when I turned 25, it was like an existential crisis for me. Yeah, I think that still happens because women, young women are afraid that their looks will fade. And that is definitely the age where if you're online, your age starts to get thrown in your face. Oh, Uh, thank you, Pearl. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. 26 is the cutoff if you haven't had. And by the way, Pearl is if she is not there, she is rapidly approaching that age. (laughs) Have you seen it the last couple of days? She's been on this tear about Hugh Jackman's or sorry, Piers Brosnan's allegedly fat wife. Okay, I did not know that was Pearl related because she's been off my radar. But I did see something about Pierce Brosnan's wife on the Internet. And someone was like, this just doesn't have what you think. This just doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. But I then just didn't care. Just scrolled on by. And that's probably a healthier attitude to have when it comes to H. Pearl Davis. Who I guess, by the way, was demonetized by YouTube. It's about time. I know. It feels that way, right? She referred to it as slave labor that she's doing for YouTube now. She's a lunatic. I really do appreciate that you and I can talk about some of America's worst. And unfortunately for this woman, Pearl, I don't know. She's just a it's just such a conundrum for me. Because I hate to see a young person throw their life away, but she's also so fucking toxic. She's toxic and she's so boring. Mm -hmm. I have the Nick Fuentes Pearl interview that she took offline. I wonder if that's why she was demonetized. I don't know. She took it down right away. Like, it was like you had a... I didn't have to dig to get it because I know people who had it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got the hookup. (laughs) It was so boring. And I and I also listened to the one when she had Alex Jones on. Or, and I'm like, I don't know. We're going to move on in a minute. If she's that dumb or if she hides her power level. And I tend to actually think she's that dumb. She, oh, if she's that dumb, for sure. She's yeah. definitely that dumb. She got pulled into the manosphere by casually consuming... Is, is Kevin Samuels the name of the guy casually consuming his content and basically just buying into it, um, which is really lowbrow when it happens to anyone, but it's for sure lowbrow when a woman buys into it. And yeah. I just think she got brainwashed. And it, I do think what she's doing is a bit of a grift, but I also think she really does believe in it. She just is not a compelling She's not a compelling speaker and does not and struggles to keep many to keep thoughts afloat at one time. Like she goes on a tear in one direction, but you can't surprise her. She doesn't just give nothing. Do any research for the people she's interviewing. Like she didn't know anything about Alex Jones when she had him on. She seems to think that. Teachers make $32,000, Chicago public school teachers make $32,000 per student. No, that would actually be the amount of money that goes behind educating the student, not the teacher's salary. 
when Nick Fuentes said that Stalin was Georgian, she thought he was from Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not super bright. Yeah, I tried to watch it and I, I still have it because there's something on there she doesn't want out there, which is why she took it down. Hit me with the link. I All think right. that what she doesn't want out there is that this guy is, he's a neo-Nazi, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I, th- I, I think also probably he's one of those people that if you platform him on let's say, a YouTube or whatever. Didn't Joe Rogan have to take down all of his episodes with Alex Jones before joining Spotify? He's like someone that you're not supposed to platform. This is, we're talking about Nick, which you really can't platform. Yeah. But yeah, it was, that's probably why, but it was just like, I was just watching it. And I'm like, this is, it, I tried for five days in increments and I'm like, I can't make it through this. No. Or, all right, back to our friend May, now that we've talked about Pearl for a little bit, and and neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes, and Alex Jones. These are actually enemies of the pod. They get mentioned on a fairly regular basis. Oh, uh, okay. May's wife was dying of cancer at the time. Oh. So he wasn't feeling particularly festive, but he kept working on the story and he wanted to focus on reindeer for two reasons first the imagery was abundant around christmas and second his daughter barbara was fascinated with the deers at the lincoln park zoo which is one of the few remaining free zoos in the united states of america or as i call it our socialist zoo yeah (laughs) (laughs) do they take good care of them there they take decent care of them okay you've been to the san diego zoo it's not the san diego zoo i'm not a zoo goer i yeah i'm not a zoo attender here's my thing about the the lincoln park zoo is it was a few blocks away from my dorm when i first moved to chicago and it was free and i was a college kid so i would just be lonely walking through the zoo Hmm. yeah I mean, yeah, I was going to ask you if you're not a zoo goer, but I was going to ask if you had a favorite animal at the zoo. Oh, I always love a sloth. Uh, oh. I enjoy the sloths. I feel like monkeys are too human. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I It's been quite some time. I like the big cats. Like any sort of lion or something is interesting. I... I'm an elephant girl. Oh, yeah. My dad sent me a picture the first time I ever went to the zoo of me just like staring at an elephant. And he's your first love. Oh, that's so cute. I forgot they have elephants in zoos. Yes. How do they get them there? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? All right. May used two influences. One was the ugly duckling. And the other one was an 1820s poem called A Visit from St. Nicholas, which had eight reindeers already named. So you have Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. I want to know about Vixen. Yeah, that's it feels <laughs> like a off name compared. I know they all rhyme, but Vixen draws imagery. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. as does Prancer. I wonder, yeah, maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they're the hyper hypersexual ones of the group. Are all the reindeers men? I'm thinking so. Okay. I guess I would say male is probably the way to male, say it. Yes, men. I realize that they're not. Th- their men. pronouns are he, him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I don't ever think I've heard the word vixen applied to a male. No, I'm not. I've never heard that either. I think they're probably gay. Prancer and vixen together? Yeah. Why are not? They gonna, are they going to get boycotted next year? I hope so. All right. Now that it depends how this Rudolph thing goes, but they were terribly mean. Oh, we'll get there again. It's, uh, so May starts brainstorming on a ninth re- reindeer with an R name because he liked alliteration. Okay. So candidates, according to the list at the Rauner Library at Dartmouth, include Rolo, Rodney, Roland, Roderick, and Reggie. Yeah, Rudolph was the move. Yeah, he actually, in an interview, he reasoned that Rolo sounded, quote, too happy for a reindeer with an unhappy problem, while Reginald... Very serious. Seemed too sophisticated. (laughs) Yeah, Reginald (laughs) is very serious. Yeah, Rolo, I don't even think is a name. I think that there is a Manosphere influencer named Rolo. Oh, he should stay there. Yeah. <laughs> Upset that I, yeah, that I know that. From the Time Magazine article. As for the idea of a glowing nose apt for navigating, the light bulb moment came from looking out his office window in the middle of one of Chicago's infamous winter days, seeing the fog from Lake Michigan and thinking of Santa trying to do his work on such a night. The idea almost got shelved, May would note, after focus group participants said they thought a red nose had, quote, connotations of alcoholism, end quote. Oh, okay. Bringing us back to when I had to repress myself on the Malort nose. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah, God bless him, Rudolph. And, and to sway the powers at Montgomery Ward, May and the in-house artist Denver Gillen went to the Lincoln Park Zoo and sketched the ideas so they could avoid Malort muzzle. That's so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, my God. That's great. Yeah, this is it's crazy because obviously Rudolph is not a super classic Christmas tale, meaning like very old. But no. I didn't realize that I didn't I mean to think also that it was a corporate cash grab is pretty wild. Yeah. Well, yeah. The whole story is wild. His daughter told the Chicago Tribune, we went to the zoo and they were checking out the reindeer. My father wanted to write a book for Christmas about a deer, and he came up with Rudolph. The boss didn't like the idea initially, but it all ended well. And then his wife dies in July of 1939. Mm. And acknowledging his grief, his boss offered to take the project off his, pl- off his plate. May later said, quote, 
But I needed Rudolph now more than ever. Gratefully, I buried myself in the writing. Wow. Was there that much to write? I don't know. I don't really think so. But yeah. But I guess well, so one of the things is he was because he was a smarty. So he was really picky about word choice. Got it. And in fact, he read a month later after his wife dies, he read the edit to his daughter and his in-laws. And quote, in their eyes, I could see the story accomplished what I had hoped. And his daughter has, there was one interview where she talked about changing the word choice from stomach to tummy. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see that. Tummy is much more child-friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to super overthink, but it's worth, yeah, it's worth a thought. In 1939, Montgomery Ward gave away 2.4 million copies of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Wow. To put this in perspective, the best-selling Grapes of Wrath, which was published the same year, sold 430,000 books. Well, geez, that's a lot. That's a lot, especially for the time. Uh-huh. Wow. Good. Yeah. Wow. Good things can ha- can be born in tragedy. Fuck, yeah. I wonder how much the Rudolph property is worth now. We'll get there. Okay. The Chicago headquarters sent out posters to its stores nationwide, and it was described as, quote, the rollickingest, rip-roaringest, riot-provokingest Christmas giveaway your town has ever seen, end quote. Wow. Damn. And this is from Ronald D. Langford. He wrote the book about Rudolph, quite literally a book about Rudolph. Born as a copyright, Rudolph has remained one ever since. Any predictions on how this goes? I feel like the guy who created Rudolph killed someone. That's fucking dark. I figured if it was going to be something that it might be that crazy. If I had to guess. Yeah. (laughs) Is that right? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. No, but it could go that way, but it doesn't. Okay. You never know. We've been through a lot. There is a reason why I want to release this prior to Christmas because it's actually a Christmas podcast. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Wards owned the IP. Oh. They own the copyright. Yeah, so they fucked him. And remember, the the reason, this is why I invited you, because the last time you were on, we talked about Twinkies. And then the Ferris wheel person, which you mentioned on another podcast about the Ferris wheel. I want to say it was the Earl Flynn. Yes, he died penniless, the Ferris wheel guy. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to bring you on. Okay. (laughs) Because it's another IP. So they offer the copyright to May in 1943, but he took a rain check 
because he wanted to use Rudolph in a future marketing campaign. He later said, now that I look back, it was a foolhardy and or courageous decision. Anything could have happened in the meantime. And darn near did. Yep. Yeah. He's not getting any money from those Rudolph movies. The quote from the, the Tribune, uh, Chicago Tribune article, the gamble paid off. Wards issued another 3.6 million copies of its Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for its stores in 1946. The story re remained intact, except for one minor change. Santa Claus's Rudolph Les Sleigh almost collided with a four-motored plane instead of a three-motored one. And in a 1976 letter, May wrote, Mind you, I'd never made a dime from my story, and my modest ward salary couldn't begin to keep up with the rising cost of living and the re regular visits to the store. Oh, his wife died, and he remarried within less than a year. He ended up going on to get married two more times and have five more children. Wow. So a total of three times. Poor Both Barbara. His first and second wife died. Oh. Yeah. Suspicious. I don't. Just, oh my God, you are so going. <laughs> you watch so many life movies. I do. Sorry. <laughs> You're right. Okay. I. It was especially back then. Medical care wasn't great. We had we not really the same developments as today. No. Right. <laughs> uh, in 1946, RCA Victor contacted the department store about setting the story to music. And this is from the Tribune article. May pleaded his case with several managers at Ward's, but it was Norton, May said, who made the difference. Norton convinced Ward's chairman, Sewell Avery, whom May described as, quote, a one-man Supreme Court from whose decision there was no appeal, end quote, to transfer the Rudolph copyright to May. Norton argued that the department store was, quote, not in the business to try to make a couple thousand in royalties from RCA Victor, Mays recalled. Hmm. A Avery reportedly told of a meeting of Ward's officers, quote, let Bob May have it. So he allow, allows them to finish with their Christmas campaign. And on January 1st, 1947, the copyright is transferred to Bob May. Great. That's good. It is good. Back. And October 4th, 1947, the story was sold in book form for the first time at 50 cents a copy. With all of his Rudolph wealth, May moved his family and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Enterprises to the nearby suburb of Evanston for listeners. Yeah, Evanston, Illinois. I wonder why I know that. I know Evanston for some reason. I don't know why you would. Northwestern University's there. Is it like a ritzy, is it a ritzy town? Yeah, it's pretty ritzy. Okay, maybe that's maybe I know someone from there from college or something. Yeah, it's pretty ritzy and it's still in Cook County. Like you can still get 
Evanston is, you can still take the train. Oh, nice. Into the city. What a good move for him. Yeah. He could still take the train to his job. It's called the Purple Line. Yeah. Mm. It used to be okay. called the Evanston Express. Good school district, but yeah. So that's from the tri- Tribune. With the copyright, May was now free to create a variety of items featuring the red-nosed reindeer. But he also realized Rudolph's popularity would fluctuate with each year's new Christmas fads. And yeah, it's true. I asked my mom today, I'm like, did we ever watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? And we don't really remember watching it. Like it wasn't. I used to watch that all the time with Herbie who wanted to be a dentist. Okay, we'll get into that because I don't didn't I tried to watch uh, spoiler alert. I tried to watch it. Could not much like the Nick Fuentes and Pearl Davis interview get into <laughs> it. <laughs> Probably for similar reasons, but yeah, it's it was a classic. It's not like claymation, but it's a strange type of animation. Yeah, I just don't remember watching it. I remember Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. No, how long is that movie? It couldn't, if it's more than an hour, that's ridiculous. It's, I feel like it's like 45 minutes. It was pretty long. Okay. Um, it was for a children's movie. I mean, not for a television children's thing. Yeah. No, we watch that all the time. Oh, I, yeah, I never, I don't remember watching it. And then I really hated Frosty because, and I actually said to my mom today, I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, Frosty made me sad because he melts at the end. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is sad. I forgot he melted. Yeah. All There's right. so much pain in Christmas stories. There is. Well, we... keep this ride. In 1976, May wrote this. <clears throat> I quickly realized that my flow of royalties would soon dry up unless I could make Rudolph known and popular and successful outside Montgomery Ward land. Along with newspaper and magazine articles, radio and TV interviews, I thought of trying to accomplish my purpose with a Rudolph song. So he goes to his brother, whose name is Johnny Marks, or his brother-in-law. Okay. And asks him to set it to music. You mean it's a banger, it's a classic. It's a banger, it's a classic. So it was recorded first in 1949 by Gene Autry. Oh, that's a big name. Yeah, and he didn't want to sing the song, but his wife Ina convinced him. And it was the B-side. What was the A-side? I learned yesterday, but I don't remember. Okay. We were talking about this because we had a tour guide dinner and we all just know a bunch of useless information. It's a song you don't remember. Like, Okay. Yeah, this was the B-side. Any listener who's young, they used to release records on singles. They were called 45s. And there was the A-side, which was the popular song, and the B-side, which is going to be a song you've never heard of. That's what makes it amazing that this was the B-side. Yeah. It sold 1.75 million copies. Mm. And was the first number one song 
going into the 1950s. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis. So I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Damn. Yeah, it, it is a classic. Yeah, I, I, and Marx actually died in 1985, but his publishing company, St. Nicholas Music, retains the rights. And what this reminds me of is either a little bit of, God, there's, about a boy with Nick Hornby. Who wrote about a boy? Nick Hornby wrote about a boy. Yeah. And the character, the only thing he has going for him is he wrote that Christmas song. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it, but I know that I've heard of the movie. Yeah. And then all Christmas songs are high earners because there's not many of them. And especially back in the day, music was just not released the same way. No. Maybe at no. a Motown. You were getting volume, but that came a little later. And here's what the Tribune says. In 2020, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer by Marx was the 20th most popular holiday song played almost 30,000 times on radio stations throughout the United States and more than 
75 million times on demand through streaming platforms, according to MRC data slash BDS. Okay. That's a lot of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 2020. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I keep saying it, but it really is a classic. It's a, one of the first songs I think a lot of kids learn how to sing. Mm-hmm. It's like Old MacDonald. And hundreds of artists from Bing Crosby, Paul McCartney, Dolly, DMX, and even Destiny's Child have recorded their own takes on the song. I want to hear what DMX does with this. I'll put it in the show notes, but uh, you can find it on YouTube. Okay. I'll go check that out. I can see Destiny's Child doing it. Those girls were doing everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. don't tell Kanye, but both Mays and Marks were Jewish. Oh. They were the Emmanuels <laughs> of the day. Don't worry, I won't tell Kanye. <laughs> Rom's been taking some hits here in Chicago lately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first animated movie came out in 1948. And this is, it's the, it's, Stop motion animation. So it's not claymation. It's called stop motion animation. It was re-released in 1964. And it's the longest running Christmas special in history. Nice. It predates Charlie Brown's Christmas by a year. And the Grinch by two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Grinch is dark. The Grinch is dark. His daughter, Martha, talks about watching the 1964 re-release. The first year, we watched it on a big box Montgomery Ward TV in the rec room. The wood-paneled rec room in the basement. And yes. it was like, ma- <laughs> yes, exactly. You have this vision. Like- I know exactly what it looks like. <laughs> and, and she was going to say, and it was like magic. As soon as the show ended, I tell you, the phone did not stop ringing. Daddy felt like such a celebrity. At the get uh, at the beginning of the show, my father's name and my uncle Johnny Marks, who did the music, their names were on little gift boxes during the opening credits. I always loved to see that. Oh, I know. First of all, because you. You can see that wood tell that television, the big, the one that sits on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who had a big television had the one that sits on the the ground in like a wood frame. Yeah, that was the Uh classic. It had to come with its own console. Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, we had a 12 inch Quasar. May dies in 1976. Oh, so, I guess he, he had a, lo- a long life. Yeah, he was born in 1905. Yeah, okay, yeah. And by 1976 life. standards, that's a long life. Yeah, and he yeah. lost those two wives before. Right. So he probably had some sadness in his heart. He did say, and this is from the Tribune, it's the only reindeer I know that ever put six kids in college, May told the Tribune in 1972. 
if he were alive today, he'd say it put his grandchildren through too. Wow. His family still re- has the copyright. So they're doing pretty well. They're doing pretty well. Nice. Which is why I invited you on after the Mr. Twinkie never got Twinkie money. Mr. Ferris never got Ferris wheel money. Glad to know someone's making money off of Rudolph. Yeah, I agree. That is, it is, it is heartwarming. We're not done yet. Okay. Nobody gets murdered though. Just okay. (laughs) Okay. Then in Christmas season, 2018 happened. And I'll read the quote from the Tribune article. The title of it is, quote, some people are upset of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Here's why. And they go on to say, but was the Red-Nosed Reindeer marginalized? That is the premise of a Huff Post video posted Wednesday to Twitter that has been viewed more than 5.3 million times as of Sunday afternoon. They go on to say, the video notes an instance in the film where Rudolph's father, quote, verbally abuses him, end quote. The father of Rudolph's love interest is called a, quote, bigot for forbidding his daughter from being seen with the red-nosed one. The video includes various reactions to the film from Twitter, one saying, quote, yearly reminder that hashtag Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a parable on racism and homophobia with Santa as a bigoted, exploitative, parentheses, the rest is not family friendly. Holy shit. <laughs> Look, figured something was going on there, but this is, that feels a little harsh. Oh, they go on to say. It's not entirely clear whether the video was satire or meant to be taken seriously. A corresponding HuffPost article on the film more directly says that the roundup of recent tweets and criticisms of Rudolph were posted in jest, quote, humorous observations, end quote. But that didn't stop others from seeing the video as an unwarranted attack from liberals. I, you know what? I'm going to say that's fair. It does feel like a slightly unwarranted attack. So the HuffPo has a lot of articles about Rudolph. I'm just going to, I didn't know this until I set this out. Most of them are favorable. I, the tweet that they had doesn't link to the video. So I had to hunt this down like Santa trying to find a Cabbage Patch doll in 1984. Right. (laughs) And it's on Facebook, which you will never be able to get to because your facebook account is gone i've been blasted off it's not funny i think it was trying to be okay i think it was i've actually i actually found other videos that were funnier that you could tell they were funnier about rudolph you can do a funny video look at what a dick rudolph the dad is (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and it's all about how you deliver it. The problem is the HuffPo video, there's no one narrating it. So it's just, it's just type. It's yeah. Just words. Yeah. And you can add whatever tone you want. Okay. Yeah. 
that yeah yeah <sighs> and then i watched a ben shapiro video addressing the huff Poe video simply defending rudolph he fat shamed santa <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's yeah it, that this happens uh, like a lot though like the and i'm by the way like i'm about as left as you can be but i, I struggle sometimes with baby it's cold outside i agree that's gross uh-huh. uh, at the same time it is. It does feel like you got to be kidding me with some of this stuff. Christmas lore, generally speaking, as we've said, is so fucking dark. It's just dark. And sometimes it being just dark is what it is. Right. It's no just, need to go crazy. I also think sometimes the right just doesn't understand humor, but I can also understand this is one of those things where it's like, I can understand the criticism of liberals because it's Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, it's Rudolph. It's a it's listen. I had jokingly tossed around the thoughts of maybe this being of Rudolph, maybe being ableist or something. I had thought about that. I'm not sure about the racism. Oh, and I don't even know if the quotes that I looked at the HuffPo quotes or the Huff. Poe tweets and a lot of them were about kids in cages like how is this important remember it was 2018 yeah but everything was inflamed everything was in, yeah and rightfully because we were a nation in crisis but that said it, sometimes i feel like my fellow libs get a little too touchy about the wrong things. Like, th- why are we burning energy on this? Not the kids in cages, but must we drag Rudolph into this? Just don't read it to your kids, if that, that's it, the problem. It, exactly. And and then it's also, like, how much of it is sarcasm? Probably and, not much. I mean... You don't... Okay. You don't think so? I don't think so. I will say this, is that I... You know... Obama said something that I thought was interesting, which is that, like, the reason why, like, the liberals, we have such a hard time in this country is because we're fucking annoying. And I think there's truth to that. I don't disagree. I do not disagree. However, this caught the attention of Sniffy McSnifferton from Sniffville. Don Jr., (laughs) who tweeted out the video saying, liberalism is a disease. No one ever tweeted out calling Rudolph a fat, smelly loser. It's true. I know. I know. It's true. Yeah. I I was so happy to work that one in. Then (laughs) you have Tucker Dave Rubin, who spent... Three minutes in a segment called Progressives Love Attacking Christmas Traditions. And this is from the Tribune. They find something. They destroy that. And they'll move on to everything else that we love, Ruben said, listing popular sitcoms such as Seinfeld and Friends as examples. 
They will literally go for the sunset, he added, suggesting that those who seek to destroy things that were once beloved offer nothing in return. That's such a smart point, Carlson replied. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm uncomfortable with how lately it seems as though I don't have the biggest problem with Tucker Carlson, which is awful because I should always have a problem with him. He's just a joke now. He is just a joke now. Yeah, he's just a joke. He was talking aliens last week. Or no, I think he talked about aliens and flat earth in the last week. Oh, the cl- the classic combo. Yeah. It's it's nice that he's just, oh, no, yeah. All right, but I just can also see Tucker saying, oh, that's such a smart point delusional now in 2023 i'm sure the right can also find issues with with seinfeld and friends but because this drama can't get any dumber i'm just gonna read more from the tribune please (laughs) okay on sunday one of the original voice actors from rudolph attempted to set the record straight on claims that the film is problematic. In a video sent to TMZ, Corrine Conley, the voice of Dolly for Sue, who lived in the island of misfit toys, said the film is more relevant now than ever, given the increase of bullying incidents of late. But it's important to note, she said, that bullying is reconciled in Rudolph by teaching viewers a lesson at the end of the story. Quote, I just can't imagine it affecting anyone in a negative way. They must be like Scrooge, she added, referring to Ebenezer Scrooge, the, prota- uh, the protagonist of A Christmas Carol. Quote, tell them to watch Scrooge. So we now have a voice actress who weighing in, like the original Dolly for Sue. Then. We get Whoopi on the view. Oh, yeah. You got to have Whoopi on the view. Where's the problem? It's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph's the hero. What's the problem? I cannot tell you how many thought pieces I read about this. I'm not surprised that there's such a crazy conversation (laughs) about it at all. That sounds about right. I was just like, I was working in 2018. I'm like, glad I missed this one. Yeah. (laughs) Now, as I said, I tried to watch it and it's boring. And that I spent most of 2020 with a preschooler. I have watched Onward and Zootopia more times than you can count. Speaking (laughs) of sloths. Yeah. But this, I think, is in the ilk of Sesame Street, which is literally just made for kids. Yeah, it's real. It's it's just it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that thing that all the other that all Disney movies have or whatever, where a parent can enjoy themselves. Which is why I'm pretty sure we didn't really watch it when I was a kid. Yeah, no, it's funny. I just watched the movie Daddy's Home for i don't know we were just 
looking for something to watch and we're on like a modern comedy kick and i said this movie is for divorced dads who like don't want to bother themselves with children's entertainment so they take their kid to watch this movie where will ferrell is caught holding his dick at a company party so though my parents are still together my mom was a nurse, so she worked weekends and nights. Mm-hmm. And I was an only child until I was seven. Yeah, I, yeah. Seven, seven and a half. And the story is my dad went and saw Star Wars like two times, and he wanted to th- see it a third time, but he was stuck with me. <laughs> so he took uh, my mom jokes like, oh, I'll just take the baby to Star Wars. <laughs> Is that not, I thought Star Wars, I thought kids love Star Wars. No, but I was too little to actually comprehend it. Oh, yeah, that's, I'll say I've never watched Star Wars because I tried once as a child and found it incredibly boring and was like, we really must move on with our lives. My mom and I did the first six over Christmas of 2019. And it was like a plan, like we had to plan it out because it was a lot of watching. And then COVID hit and we're like, shit, we could have just spread this out. Yeah. <laughs> and have yeah. all numerous times. But yeah, the story was like my dad would just take me all these sci-fi movies when I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> God bless him. Are you a happy holidays or a Merry Christmas person? I am a I say happy holidays in my heart. I'm a Merry Christmas person. I will say it if I know I'm talking to someone who celebrates Christmas. But generally, I say happy holidays. If I'm getting out of an Uber, I say happy holidays because I have no idea what this person's affiliation is. That and my mom always taught me that it covers Christmas and New Year's. Yes, it does. So even if, yeah. And Hanukkah and whatever else they're they're And everything else. So the reason I ask this is the morning after I finished this draft, I went on Twitter to see what topic about which people were outraged. And we had the White House Nutcracker dance video and Tim Allen's Disney Plus series the Santa Clauses, which is in its second season. I didn't realize it was a series that I he was doing. No, I didn't realize this until I did a little research on this because I had a, it, it all ties together. <laughs> Otherwise, this all would have been on my pay no mind list. Sure. <laughs> so the former, the Nutcracker Christmas is because it doesn't put Christ at the center. But newsflash Neither does Rudolph. No. And don't get me started about Frosty. Santa has nothing to do with right. Christ. And the second was because the sh- series, which I want to point out, stars a known conservative Christian named Tim Allen. Yes. Engages <laughs> in an age-old joke about misspelling Santa. Oh, Satan. Yes. And at this point in time, you can say what you want about liberals and we can be critical of liberals. I also feel like the far right is an abusive boyfriend and we can never do Christmas right. No, we can't. No, you're so right. You're so right about that. 
it's I have thoughts. First of all, I want to start out with the Santa Clauses, which is on Disney Plus, a subscription service. Right. No one is shoving the Santa Clauses down your throat. We, Molly and I, didn't know it was a series until you pointed it out to us. Yeah. Really clear. And this is from, and by the way, this is also a controversy last year, but I'm just going with the 2023, what I can find. This is from Inside the Magic, which is a blog that covers Disney things. In the third episode of season one, Into the Wobbly Wood, the elves throw a surprise goodbye party for the Claus family, attempting to spell, we love you, Santa. They accidentally swap places and spell, we love you, Satan. All the characters laugh, and the mistake is quickly fixed. They go on to further say, after Tim Allen promised to, quote, embrace Christ in the Christmas-themed series, thousands of Christian viewers felt he let them down. Hashtag cancel Disney and hashtag protect the children trended on TikTok. Oh, yeah, we got to protect the children. (laughs) These people are fucking nuts. I'm sorry. It's nuts. Yeah. It... <laughs> Regarding the what did you see the White House video? Which one? The tap dance. Uh no. Okay. So there is it's about two minutes long. It's a dance troupe that it's playing at the Kennedy Center. Okay. It's Nutcracker. Duke Ellington. It's a jazzy version of the Nutcracker. Okay. But Duke Ellington wrote it. We're not reinventing the wheel here. It's not a new jazz version of the Nutcracker. No, certainly not. And it's tap dancing. And so we're supposed to feel sad about that? Because there's also black people. I oh. and and they're and Molly, you might be shocked to know this. <laughs> Homosexuals are dancers. Oh, <laughs> I can't freaking believe it. Are you kidding me? And it's a dance of the sugar plum fairies. So there's like a <laughs> guy with some. Yeah, I so I looked at it and I'm like, oh, that looks like something I saw in college. Yeah, I was a theater kid. I can't tell you how many things I've seen that are trying to be edgy. Dramaturgy. Yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Laura Ingram had this to say. If you felt embarrassed and angry to see this type of woke nonsense at the White House during a time Christians have regarded as holy for 2,000 years or so, well, that's the point, she asserted. Quote, they wanted to offend you. They did it on purpose because they think their supporters will like that sort of thing. And they do. So none of this should surprise us at all. There's a quote from Stephen Miller about blue-haired girls and grotesque. It, it was... They're obsessed with blue hair. Yes, they're obsessed with blue hair. And one of the gay guys who was dancing... I, I'm uh-huh. sorry. I don't know if the guy is gay or not. He's a one dancer. Of the, one of the dancing homosexuals, yeah. One of the dancers had a had piece on that was purple because the entire Nutcracker is a fantasy. Right. <laughs> It's like kind of a nightmare, even. Yes. 
It's a terrible dream this girl has. Right. And and I I won't get into all the commentary. I can say this as a theater kid and a paid critic. I have seen way weirder shit. Again, this was Duke Ellington and the sugar plum fairies. Yeah, it, this is not this is not the scandal they want it to be. No. And it reminded me of Kiss Me Kate. That's it's like it's wild because I would like to believe that Jesus actually isn't a big birthday guy. And all, but also these have all been time-honored traditions. This is why I'm pulling it out is in 2018, the same people who were upset that the left was attacking Rudolph are now upset about the Nutcracker. What are we going to do with them? Well, here's the thing. To address adapting the classics, when I studied dramaturgy in college, throwing (laughs) in the D word just for you, Miles. Thank you. (laughs) One of the things I did was lead post-show discussions. And I was working on an adaptation of The Imaginary Invalid, which is a Moliere play. I asked the director, Michael Maggio, how to deal with the inevitable question of, why do you mess with the classics? And his answer was, because they're there for the messing. That's fair. Yeah, once it's out of copyright, like that's what artists... That's what artists, and particularly if anyone's listening to this and you don't know theater kids or dance kids, they're, we're weirdos. Don't expect us to be normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are, we are weirdos. We know we're weirdos. You are never going to meet a person in musical theater that isn't woke by your definition of whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, oh, I can't, I guess I, I want to be like, I can't believe, but I can believe it because it feels like this conversation around Christmas, like it just, it's what's going to be next year. I listened to a podcast earlier this week about the war on Christmas, the history of it and like the red cups. And I remember, do you remember the Starbucks red cups? Yes. And I was like, they were upset that they weren't putting like snowflakes on them. And I was like, those aren't. Christian, Im- that's not Christian imagery. Like they've never, like no one's been ever going to put a manger on a cop. No, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Starbucks ever did that. No, they put star flake. They put star you know, star flakes, snowflakes, which would be funny now. Um, that's yeah. a good point, actually. <laughs> but no, yeah. this is very snowflake behavior from them. Oh yeah, it's one of the things like. Somebody was selling, Charlie Kirk had his thing this weekend, and somebody was tell, selling, like, bottled water that was called Liberal Tears, and someone was like, you don't make us, we've reached a point, like, why I went to 2018 to now is, it's just amusing to this, at this point in time. Yeah, you, like, it's hilarious. Yeah. No like, one's upset. We've yeah. lost the will to be upset. I hate feeling like I think the thing that's exhausting is they're always talking about, oh, they're going to be so upset when they see this. And it's no. Join us here on Earth, please. No one gives a shit. Your talking points are boring. There's more important things to care about. Right. 
Like they think that by them boycotting Bud Light that we're upset. I'm like, Bud Light's a shit beer. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna cry myself to sleep every night. Right. Um, it's yeah, it's very and these people are deranged. Yeah. What do they want from us? I don't I think the question. I don't know. I don't know. Stop it, bothering me. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> like it literally is like just let me do my little research and um yeah it's just crazy which let um, me do my little research you're so funny (laughs) let me do my podcast so bringing this back to rudolph he shines the light on all the hypocrisy like the nutcracker nothing about this story is there's no three wise men there's no baby it's a deer with a bright red nose that almost got rejected for being an alcoholic (laughs) yeah exactly and it's 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 also it's a fucking department store (laughs) you know what i mean it's it's capitalism all through and through it it couldn't be any more it couldn't be any more than yeah it's it couldn't be any less precious let's put it that way nothing to cry about any thoughts generally in life no about this i think i was I, I guess i should maybe spare my surprise that at the end of the day that something like this was born from money christmas is the most commercialized holiday of all so i am not super surprised about that i'm glad he got to retain his rights i feel better about that that's really that- nice that they did that for him do you think it was because they felt bad his wife died I think it was just there was a different time in capitalism where employers actually took care of their people. Mm. And I think they just they're like, this isn't what we do. We're a department store. Right. Like, we don't need to hang on to this if he wants right. to have it. Yeah. Let him have it. Like, it was just like, and, and, and they probably were like, what's really, I don't think they, they I think if they thought if they saw how it was going to go, they probably would have kept it. Yeah. I mean, I guess my I guess my main thought is I'm sorry I said that he killed or suggested that he killed his wives. I don't I'm that could have been better of me. And I expect um, nothing less. Why not? I don't know. I just when people say, guess what happens? I assume it's gonna be probably the worst thing possible. That was I, me setting you up because I knew you, you were gonna did. think it was the worst thing and it was gonna be a happy story. It was a happy story. Yeah, no, I find this to be delightful. Sorry to hear of his passing. Is his daughter still alive, Barbara? I think so, yes. Wow. There are a lot, yeah, maybe not. No, because she would have been five. The last article I read about her was in 2020. I didn't really follow up on Barbara. She's pretty vocal through the years. And (laughs) yeah. She had some work done. Oh, she did. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'll send you a picture later. Okay, we're not snarking on her, just so everyone knows. No, I love. We love Barbara. (laughs) Barbara inspired Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, I just, I also am surprised you don't know about the buying a monkey at a department store thing. I'm going to have to look into that. I feel like an idiot for not knowing that. You're not an idiot. 
<laughs> I don't even know why I know it except for I'm just horrified by it a little bit. But yeah, listen, this was really fun. I feel like I learned a lot of information that I'm gonna I'm going to then force upon people who it, didn't ask for it. Eric and Ed. Yeah, and my my best friend <laughs> and my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> They're gonna be like, why? Why? Thank you for joining me. Where can people find you? Okay, so you can go listen or go check out Trend Lightly. If you're already on the Patreon, where if you're listening to that here, just search for Trend Lightly and you will be able to find it. We do, we cover different trending topics of the week and bring you up on, if you're not as online as we are, we'll help you out there. And then we, I also have a podcast called Mother May I Sleep a Podcast where I go into way too much detail while dissecting some of my favorite Lifetime original movies. And it's a blast. At least it, at least I enjoy it. And I believe it's one of the reasons why you and I are connected. It is. Yeah. So go check that out if you want. Other than that, I'll just be, you can find me on my couch watching 9-11 footage. All right. So, listeners, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe before another bomb is dropped in the war on Christmas. Leave a five-star review so this pod can become as popular as Rudolph's Christmas song in 1949. And tell your friends with the fervor in which the other reindeer bullied Rudolph. Yes. <laughs> Please. And keep that going for the next 60 years. <laughs>